Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Center podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. Who knows what our theme for this month is? You shall be my witnesses. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, telling people about me everywhere. Telling people about the love of God everywhere. Telling people about the love of God at work. Telling people about the love of God at home. Telling people about the love of God on holidays. Telling people everywhere that God loves them. That God has a plan for them. Amen? Yeah, telling everybody. But it's not just telling, is it? It's what we do as well. You've heard that expression, or that term, I should say. Now I can't remember it. (laughs) No, action's greater than... Actions, there it is, actions speak louder than words. You know, we can say so many things, but if our actions don't line up with what what we... if our actions don't light up with what we say, then our, what we say has very little value. Yeah? So true. I need the power of God at work in me. Do you? I needed it this week. I needed it this week. I needed it. I needed to be the pastor of this church. I need the power of God at work in me. I need it. To help me with forgiveness. To help me deal with issues of pride in my life. Just on the way here to church this morning, I needed the power of God at work in me. Heaven knows that the speed limit, come on. The speed limit when you get out of town goes up to 80 kilometers. I'm actually thinking about getting a little sign made up that has 80k on it. And then as that person turns right to go to Townsville, I'm going to hold up the sign. It's not 60, it's 80K. Can you see that? Anybody with me? Anybody with me? I needed the power of God at work in me, so I don't do that. What sort of witness am I when I'm telling everybody what to do and how to do it? Even this week, we had to. I went to a shop in Bowen, won't say which shop, to inquire about getting a quote for something. Five days later, I went back into that shop. And I didn't even get a chance to say to this person behind the counter, I'm just inquiring to see how you're going with, with what I spoke to you about. And they were on the defensive. I've been so busy, you have no idea what this week has been like. And I'm going, what? 
I just wanted to ask how you were going with it. I need the power of God at work in me because everything inside me wanted to rise up and say, hang on a minute, I'm the customer, you're the shop person, you're the shop person, you're supposed to be having the attitude, the customer comes first. See, we just, I just have this thing inside me that just loves to rise up and tell people what to do and how to correct them and how they should treat me. See, I used to think that being the senior pastor of a church was all about what I preached and how good a preacher I was. It's actually a lot more than that, unfortunately for me. It's about loving people. It's about, it's about caring for people. It's about relationships. See, I used to think that being the senior pastor would mean that I would tell Dylan what to do and he would do it just like that, straight away, and it would be done. But I'm learning, not picking on Dylan, but I'm learning that, you know, it's not about that. See, when, I'm, when I have that on my life, I'm a person of pride. I think it's about me and what, I should, what, what needs to happen. But I'm not here for me. I'm here for Jesus. I'm here to do the work of Jesus. I'm here to do the work of Jesus. You are here to do the work of Jesus. And see, when, when I'm a task-orientated person, I love to get things done. I love to get a list out, and I love to get stuck into that, and I love to get the job done. Anybody with me? That's me. I love it. Oh, I thrive on that. And in my working career, I was pretty good at that. I was pretty good at telling people what to do and how to do it. And if they didn't do what I wanted them to do, well, guess what? I gave them three warnings and then I sacked them. That's true. That is true. But I'm Christ's witness. Doing this is a totally different thing. It's, it's so different and I've had to deal with pride in my life. Because being a senior pastor or being a Christian leader is not about you or it's not about me. It's about doing the work of Jesus. I'm going to show you a little bit later what Jesus did when he was confronted with people accusing him. See, I put my hand up and I say to you this morning, church, I've had to deal with pride in my life. Is there anybody else here that has had to deal with pride in their life? Amen. Thank you. I'm not on my own. Jesus states in John 14, 12, that we will do even greater works than he did. How is that possible that we as individuals or we as a, a corporate, as a church, can do greater works than Jesus did? It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do that. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's impossible for me and for you to do the work of Jesus without the power of God at work in us. Amen? You know, Jesus was able to live his supernatural life to do what he did because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was at work in him. The Bible tells us that in Luke 3, 21 to 22, that when Jesus was baptized in water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. Not only did the Holy Spirit descend upon him, Luke 14, 1 to 3 tells us that Jesus was filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Luke 14, 14, sorry, Luke 4, 14 tells us that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And finally, in Luke 18, Jesus was anointed by 
the Holy Spirit. If we want to live our lives supernaturally just like Jesus did, then we will need the Holy Spirit at work in us. There are two major workings of the Holy Spirit. The first major working of the Holy Spirit is when we become a born-again believer. It's so that we can have a relationship with God and it helps us to be more like Jesus. To be more like Jesus. I can't be like Jesus without the Holy Spirit at work in me. I am too fleshly. Like I, I read an article this week, so often we, we proportion blame for the way we, for the, the lot we find our lives in and the struggles that we're going through. And we say the devil, oh, you know, the devil this, the devil that. Well, let me tell you this. I reckon it's a lot more to do with flesh than it is to do with devil. Do you know what I mean by that? It's a lot more to do with our brokenness, our environment, what we've, what we've been brought up with and the stuff that's happened to us is the reason that we find troubles and tribulations in our life. Do you know there's only one devil and he can't be everywhere all the time? He's not like God. And sometimes we give the devil too much credit. We say, oh, well, the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. Well, hang on a minute. The Bible I read tells me that we are on the side of victory, that the devil is a defeated foe. So, so much of what I deal with in my life actually is not the devil and I'm not going to give him credit for it. I'm going to take accountability for it and say it's my own flesh. That's why I find myself in trouble half the, most of the time. Half the time. So, we are born of the Spirit so that we can have a relationship with God and we can be more like Jesus. And then there's a second work of the Holy Spirit that can happen and usually happens as a secondary experience. We are born of the Spirit to be more like Jesus, and we're baptized in the Spirit so that we can do the work of Jesus. Do you want to do the work of Jesus this morning? You know, you only need to look in the book of Acts to see that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the key to the church's effectiveness in spreading the gospel quickly and effectively. And I believe nothing has changed for the modern church. Every one of us, every believer is called to be more like Jesus. Amen? And every believer is called to do the work of Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? You know, Jesus is the perfect example to follow. He is without doubt the greatest witness of all. Even when he was faced with the many crises that he faced, his witness was still powerful. When he faced his greatest challenge of going to the cross and dying of the cross, and when he was hanging on the cross, and after he'd been falsely accused, after he'd been tortured, after he'd been nailed to the cross, he simply said this, and we see it in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I don't know, when people nail me to the cross, not literally, but figuratively, I don't feel like saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I pray, Father, get them because they're doing something bad to me. Just being real. Just being real. You know, how we view a crisis will determine what kind of witness we'll be. I'm suggesting to you this morning that when we're faced with a crisis, we need to see it as an opportunity to be more like Jesus. And as we need to see it as an opportunity to do the work of Jesus. There's an amazing story that I'm going to read out in the moment in the Bible. It's about this guy that had been dead for four days. 
amazing story. Let me read it to you. We'll find it in John 11. I'm going to begin at chapter uh, John 11, verse 17 to 23. John 11, 17 to 23. I'm reading the Passion Translation. Now, when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about four miles from Jerusalem, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Mary heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in her house. Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. Just think about that. This is what was said to Jesus. In other words, he was being blamed for the death of her brother. My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. Let's skip down to verse 32, John 11, verse 32 to 43. When Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. So twice now he's been accused of something. When Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet, all her friends who were grieving, sorry, when Jesus looked at Mary and saw her weeping at his feet and all her friends who were with her grieving, he shuddered with emotion and was deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. You're getting a picture of the witness that Jesus is already giving here. When he was, when he was being blamed for the death of the brother, he was deeply moved with de- tenderness and compassion. When I'm being accused of something, my first response, my initial response is not to be moved with tenderness and compassion. Anybody with me? He said to them, where did you bury him? Lord, come with us and we'll show you, they replied. Then tears streamed down Jesus' face. Seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others, isn't this the one who opened blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Again, people are blaming Jesus. Then Jesus, with intense emotion, came to the tomb, a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. Then Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. Now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you believe in me, you will see God unveil, 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 veil his power? So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed to the heavens and said, Father, thank you, for you've heard my prayers, for you listen to every word I speak. Now, so, the, so that these who stand here will believe that you have sent me to, the earth, to earth as your messenger. I will use the power you have given me. Did you see that? I will use the power that you have given me Then with a loud voice, Jesus Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out. And we all know that Lazarus came out. 
What an amazing story. Somebody that had been dead all of that time. And Jesus prayed to God and told Lazarus to come out. Come out. And what did he do? He came out. Now Jesus tells us that we're to do the same work that he did. What a high bar we all have to try and reach. But that's what we're called to do. Every one of us as followers of Christ are called to be more like Jesus and we're called to do the work of Jesus. And did you notice the witness? Did you notice when Jesus was faced with a crisis, how he responded to that crisis? It was to have compassion. It It was to give glory to God through praying and then raising Lazarus from the dead. When we're faced with a crisis, I believe we need to see it as an opportunity to become more like Jesus. That's hard yards. It's hard to do. But I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you this morning. That when we're faced with a crisis, and the crisis could be something relatively small, but it might be something very large that's happening in your life. Can I encourage you? to see that as an opportunity to become more like Jesus. I read this week, what if the circumstances you're asking God to change are the very circumstances God wants to use to change you? I'm going to say that again. What if the circumstances you're asking God to change are the very circumstances God wants to use to change you? How about this? What if the person you're asking God to change is the very person God wants to use to change you? Oh, no. Really? I can speak from experience here. I've prayed to God, please change that person who annoys and frustrates the living heck out of me. But that's the very person that God's going to use to teach me things like patience. (laughs) Pride. Oh, forgiveness, mercy, grace. God's going to use that very person to help me trust him more. See, I need to see that as an opportunity so that I can become more like Christ. You know, so often when people have not treated me right, my simple answer to that is, well, I'm taking my bat and ball and I'm going home. I'm having nothing more to do with that person. And it comes out of a brokenness that's within me that I've had to deal with. Because I don't want the pain. I want the pain to stop. And when somebody doesn't treat me properly, I want to put distance between me and them. But that's the very person that God wants me to use so that I can become more like him. So easy for me in the past to have been offended. To get angry, to want to correct, to control, to lose my peace, to seek revenge. And to seek justice. I don't see Jesus doing any of that when he was confronted with his crisis. Do you? But I now know that when people who I perceive aren't treating me right, I need to see it differently. I need to see that it has the potential to change me. Can we have that YouTube video? And if we could get somebody to put the lights there. This is Stephen Furtick. Who's heard of Stephen Furtick? I saw this clip during the week and I thought it was brilliant. I thought that was really good. Really good. And it worked in well with what I wanted to share with this morning. See, I now need to see the people who I perceive aren't treating me right. I need to see 
that has, that has the potential to change me. You know, when we say, I don't like this, I don't like that, I'm going over here, I'm going to go to a new church, I don't like the way they talk to me, I don't like the songs they sing, I don't like the lighting, I don't like the seating, I don't like the preaching, I don't like this, I don't like that. Well, what about if that, there, that is the very thing that God wants to use to change you? There's something very powerful about choosing to stay and grow rather than leaving and staying the same. There's something very powerful about choosing to stay and grow rather than leaving and staying the same. Let me just read to you that very last bit out to you again that Stephen said. If you just keep moving to a new city every time you make a mess of your relationships so that you can start over with the same seed and that you carried in the last relationship, you will never see the potential of it. You know, I hear so many people saying, I don't like this person in this town. I don't like that person in this town. I'm moving to a new town. I'm going to take on a new life. I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and it's going to be so much better. Let me tell you, there's just one problem in that equation. You take you with you. I take me with me. It's not the answer. It may be part of the answer to move, but most of the answer has got to come from within. I was uh, reading... Some of the stuff, Steve Penny. Who knows Steve Penny? He's a father in our movement, Australian Christian Churches. Facing a huge challenge in his own life at the moment. A huge challenge at the moment in his own life. He's had, a, I believe, a cancer diagnosis. And he, he put up something and he, he was talking about what he should have known or what he needed to know when he started out in ministry. And one of the things he said was this. The only thing that can destroy me are the are the things that are inside of me. Do you get that? It's only what's inside of us that can destroy us. When I arrived at the Christian rehab, one of the very first things I had to grasp was taking responsibility for me. No longer projecting blame. No longer saying it's somebody else's fault. No longer saying that you caused me to do this. It's your reason that I've lost my temper. I needed to take on personal accountability and I needed to get that, that whatever's going on inside me has the potential to destroy me. And I need to understand that if I want to live a life of victory in Christ, then I need to take personal accountability for my own feelings, for my emotions. I need to stand up and say, I am a child of God, and it doesn't really matter what anybody else says or does to me around. It does not matter, and it's not a prideful thing. It's knowing who you are in Christ. Your identity is in Christ and Christ alone. And when your identity is found in Christ, it does not matter what other people do or say to you. And you'll start to realize that you no longer need to manage them. You no longer need to control them. You can just let them go and you can start to become the witness that Christ called you to be. What an example Jesus was to the people that personally witnessed his life and what as an example it is for any one of us today. Did you notice Jesus' response when Martha and Mary accused him? Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. He didn't retaliate. He didn't defend himself. He didn't correct them. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't criticize. He didn't get all offended. He simply responded with empathy. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. 
Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. What an example. I know one thing for certain, without the power of God at work in me, I will find it impossible to become more like Jesus, to be the witness that he's calling me to be. You know, there have been times when I've complained to God. Anybody complained to God? I have. It's okay. He knows what you're thinking anyway, so just complain. Get it out there. He's okay. He's bigger than that. Oh, it's not fair. Why am I always the one that has to give ground? Why am I always the one that has to show mercy? Why do I always have to forgive? Anybody else been in that place? (laughs) Then I pick up his word. I start reading about the life and times of Jesus. Anybody done that? I hope so. Then he says something like this in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you. (laughs) Love one another as I have loved you. By this, everybody will know that you're my disciples. Do I have to love that person again? Oh, Jesus. It's not fair. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of it. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everybody will know that you're my disciples. What a witness. When we love that person that's difficult, when we love that person that rubs us up the long way, when we love that person that frustrates us, when we love that person that annoys us, love one another just as I have loved you. By this, they will know you're my witnesses. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Really? John 14, 23, Jesus replied, anybody who loves me will obey my teachings. Ah, ah, ah. John 15, 12 to 13, my, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for a one's friend. Do I have to lay down my life again? Oh. This is my command, love each other. A new commandment I give unto you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, everybody will know that you're my disciples. See, you want to know how you're going in Christ? Do you want to know how you're going? Have a look at your love meter. And I don't mean as in, um, you know. (laughs) I'm talking about how you're loving those people that, are difficult, are hard, that rub you up the long way, that you find hard in your life. How are you going with that? To love as Jesus loved, I, I, it's impossible for me to do. I can't do it. I can't lay down my life for somebody else. But when I go, so Father, I thank you that you loved me. I thank you that you loved me when I was not the dad that I, shouldn't have, I should have been. I thank you, Father God, that you loved me when I was the husband that I shouldn't have been. I thank you, Father God, that you loved me when I was the pastor that I shouldn't have been. I thank you, Father God, that you loved me when I was difficult. I thank you, Father God, that you loved me when I was doing things that you know were not good. 
I thank you, Father God, that your love towards me is unconditional. I thank you, Father God, that your love towards me is a sacrificial love. That you love me so much that you sent your own son to die a painful death so that I can stand before you today knowing that when you look at me, you don't see my fault. You don't see me as that father that let his kids down. You don't see me as that husband that didn't do the right thing by his wife. You don't see me as a failure. You see me as a victor. You see me as a son and daughter of God. I need the Holy Spirit to forgive, to show grace and to show mercy. I need the Holy Spirit to help me see that the circumstances I'm asking God to change are the very circumstances God wants to use to change me. I need the Holy Spirit to help me see that the very person who annoys me and frustrates me is the very person that God is using me to be more like Jesus. How cool is that? Was that good preaching? That was my first point. You ready? Clock's not working. I've got as much time as I like, Jimmy. I've got lunch provided. I think we'll stay. I don't look at that one. You know, point two, when faced with a crisis, see as an opportunity to do the work of Jesus. Point two, when we see, when we're faced with a crisis, see it as an opportunity to do the work of Jesus so that we can be a powerful witness for him. What did Jesus do when he was faced with a crisis? He calmed the storm. What did Jesus do when he was faced with a crisis? He healed the centurion's servant. What did Jesus do when he was faced with a crisis? He healed a paralytic man. What did Jesus do when he was faced with a crisis? He healed the woman with the issue of blood. What did Jesus do when he was faced with a crisis? He healed two blind men. What did Jesus do when he was faced with a crisis? He healed a man who was unable to speak. He healed a man that was deaf and dumb. dumb. What did Jesus do when he was faced with a crisis? He raised a man that had been dead four days. You'll do even greater works than I have done. Can I encourage you, next time we face a crisis, see it as an opportunity to become more like Jesus and see it as an opportunity to do the work of Jesus. Can I get the band up, please? Let me finish with this. Reinhard Bonnke said, God needs you and you need God's power. That's the way God's chosen to do it. He's chosen you and me to be his witnesses. He needs us to be his witnesses, but it's impossible for us to be his witnesses without his power. What sort of witness are you? What sort of witness am I when things are going well? What sort of witness are we when things aren't going well? What sort of witness are we when we face a crisis? What sort of witness are we at work? What sort of witness are we at home? What sort of witness are we in church? What sort of witness are we when we're faced with a crisis? Today I want to challenge you and me to see the next crisis as an opportunity to be more like Jesus and to see it as an opportunity to do the work of Jesus. 
Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.